With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Rink Rat Report podcast is brought to you by BetSnap, the ultimate sports betting companion app. Track, follow, and analyze your bets across multiple sports books. And while you're there, check out the world's first verified buy and sell marketplace for sports betting picks. Download the app today. We're recording? Yes, sir. And action. Welcome, everyone, to the Rank Rat Report podcast. You're probably going to be listening to this Wednesday, October 27th, fresh off of a few Leafs games where, you know, not that fun. But as always, joined by Josh and Jason. What up? Honestly, a really rough week. Just going to start. Like it, was, <laughs> it was really rough. Those are probably three of the worst games in a row that We've seen in a regular season, I don't know how long. It was rough. Well, last season, the six in a row that they lost, that was pretty bad. Yeah, but you know what? Last but. year, like nobody was calling for like everyone to be fired and traded, so it just feels a little different. Oh, but. in terms of the overall mood, yeah, yeah, it's bad. But what I wanted to really get into and hammer home in this episode, what you're going to start to hear on the major radio stations, on other podcasts, is a lot of negativity, a lot of trade everyone, a lot of this team stinks, and a lot of write-offs. I want to get past the cliches. Like, Zach Hyman's not coming through the door anytime soon. And I still think it was a good idea to let him walk, especially with the new news that he wanted a full no-movement clause. But I don't know why I go on these tangents and then lose myself. Keep him, keep him going. Keep but, <laughs> but what I wanted to get into is actually what's going on and what we need to look forward to in terms of what improvements this team needs to make, um, what they actually have on the roster that's good and what the, the changes that we need to see in a more demanding tone because this was brutal this past week. But nevertheless, I'm actually going to, we're actually going to break down what is going on out there instead of blow it up. I hate this team. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Cry. Agreed. Uh, that's the easiest thing to do. I think you could probably pull over any random person on the street and get them to say like, oh, 11 million overpaid trade. Like you've heard it all a million times. Like yep. as a Leafs fan, I think people want to hear, okay, like how do we, how do we write the ship? A true Leafs fan doesn't want to give up. I think they want to know like, how does this get back on track? What's going mm-hmm. on? We're going to do our best. Cause I don't even know if Sheldon Keefe or Kyle Dubas or the players know exactly what's fully wrong, but seeing some tendencies that are, I think fixable, oh, yeah. hopefully. So Oh, yes, definitely. Some fixable tendencies there. Do we want to start with a little Carolina, the Carolina game? Yeah, let's get into that one because that was, I guess that and the San Jose game were manageable. The the Saturday Leafs game against Pittsburgh, I've rewatched, well, I guess I've, the next day I watched the, so today I watched the Carolina game. The Sunday, I want to say I watched the San Jose game again. 
that Pittsburgh game, I was like, okay, like it's on my slate. I should be watching it again. I couldn't. No, you can't watch that again. Like there's there's absolutely nothing you can pull from that game other than like, hey, idiots, want to like. <laughs> One thing I will say about that game. Sorry, Jason, go ahead. No, I was just going to say going off of what you said earlier about like let's not overreact. This is just like the easiest thing to say is they just played awful. They just had a bad game. Yeah, it was. It and, was and that's, crazy, too. Like, just a bad game against yeah. the Pittsburgh Penguins with yeah. no Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malcolm, Brian Russ, Chris Letang, Jeff Carter. Yeah, there's no excuse to lose that game, especially the way they did. Um, but one thing that Elliot Friedman pointed out, which I agree with, is that was the Leafs' first back-to-back of the season. It was their first true travel day in probably two years. Yeah. Because the Canadian travel doesn't count. Sorry. Like, no. last year when they traveled, they, they never played a, like a cross-country back-to-back. They made it so, okay, if you're playing back-to-back, it's Ottawa-Ottawa, close. Or it's Montreal-Montreal or Montreal-Ottawa, close, not a lot of travel. This is the first time they've had to go through customs. Like, that matters a little bit. And then Pittsburgh was also on three days rest as well. So that stuff matters, but still absolutely no excuse to be embarrassed like that. And what's the one thing that we point in bat teams playing on the latter half of the back-to-back? What's the point of the game that you need to really start to watch out for? Uh, You tell me. The latter half of that second game. Yeah. There is a true huge drop off yeah. in the second period and the third period, Ma- mainly the mid second period, third period of those games in terms of like how the team plays. What happened after the first period, the Leafs just pooed their pants. Yeah. And like, no again, other way to do, put it. do you want to analyze every player in that game? Like nobody played good in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, that was an embarrassing effort yeah. pretty much yeah. all around. Like, like the fourth line scored, they also gave up goals. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. Spezza scored. Fourth. He also had a turnover leading to a goal. So there's a net. The shutdown draw. line had a seven, like seventy four percent goals for uh, expected goals for against San Jose, Thomas Hurdle, but then against Evan Rodriguez and Drew O'Connor and the boys, um, just sucked. It was a rough night. Like it was awful. Yeah. So that game, no other way to put it. That, that game, uh, I think that's all we need to say yeah. about that game. Yeah. But that's the, one I, I they think, should have, uh, as Rex Ryan used to say, uh, bury or what he did, bury the football. Absolutely, bury the puck. Um, one thing, just overall concerning to me about these three games is I thought the Leafs played over like overall well in the first four games, even though people. By the way, look back. Looking the back, two the, one in one record. Looking correct. back, people were concerned then. Like that's mm-hmm. crazy. By the way, just looking yeah. back, like the Leafs played well in all of those games, mm-hmm. and two one and one was fine. I didn't love the second game of the season, but yeah, go on. I know. I disagree with you there, but that's okay. I think they had a bad start, but really picked it up. The last three games were just terrible, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm trying to think. I know we do favorite Leaf of the Week. I cannot think of somebody for the last three games. I really can't. I was going to skip that question. Thank you to everyone that that submitted. We're going to do that in a little bit. Thank you to everyone that submitted. I was going to skip that question because I'm like, who... Who played well? Nobody. From what I watched, no. Maybe Jason Spezza. Maybe. The thing was, on the defensive end, Jason Spezza wasn't that great. No. He gave up the Sebastian Ajo goal. He lost Sebastian Ajo on that play. Yeah. On the, I think it was San Jose's first goal, he lost the center on that play and gave it up. But then he made it up at the other end, right? And they did play well overall. So that's where I could say, okay, like Spezza or Simmons. Simmons got a lot of shit coming into the season. He's been solid. He's been really solid. Other than the first two games. I think Simmons has been, been really solid. solid. I have uh, this is we're just jumping back and forth. That's okay. I think I have a, tr- a possible idea for the Lions, but I'm going to get into it later. Jason, what did you think of the Carolina game? Let's jump right Carolina in. Carolina game was a lot better than the Pittsburgh game, but that's also not saying much. Um 
I thought they played re- really well in the first half, but they 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 fell flat towards the end. They got they the, really fell they, flat. They, they they got the the thing we were looking for all season. We we haven't gotten the first goal. We got the first goal, and then all of a sudden we just kept giving up chance after chance after chance, and it just eventually led to a goal. Um, I I, I don't know. I wasn't. They they didn't play that well in in that game. The line mix up. I don't know. How, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I thought it wasn't as affected as everyone on Twitter thought it was, was going to be. Um, but yeah. I thought it was going to be strong too. But I thought in that game, the first half they started well. They started on time for once. Like the Austin Matthews goal, that was a very bad goal. Really bad. It was goal. a turnover on, along the boards. Austin Matthews just picked it up. Went straight around and then just it was a basic wraparound and Frederick Anderson lost his stick. By the way, I was watching that game. It was the Carolina feed. Oh my God, they're biased. Yes, <laughs> most of the Southern Market American teams it's cra- commentators they they weren't originally hockey guys, right? Because no. they just get Who is, lo- it's someone named I think it's Trip Tracy or something. A, a lot like of them that. are like, just play by play people who are very talented are able to call games. Mm-hmm. It was but, the color guy. He was oh, saying the color oh, guys are. It was Justin Hole drew the penalty and he was like. I'm not really sure here. There's no tripping motion. I'm not sure how they call that. I'm like, what? 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 Have you watched the sport before? No, they don't. They've watched they Carolina. Mentioned, they mentioned the Nick Ritchie hit a good four times. To be fair to that one, that was a dirty hit. He's lucky he didn't mm-hmm. get a penalty there. I he agree, was falling. Yeah. yeah, I mean. We saw who got suspended earlier this year for a similar hit. Was it? Oh, I can't remember. Is it on uh, Larkin? No. It wasn't no. Larkin. No, Larkin punched someone, someone was, in the face. Someone was on a knee and he just smiled. I think oh, someone hit Larkin. Yes. I can't remember who. I know the hit you're talking yeah. about. It was really dirty. It was really dirty. But, but anyways, they mentioned it a good four times. At least Richie was trying to do something. I thought he had one of his better games, but it's yeah. like. He had a good he, chance in front. He had too. chances, but did he generate the chances? No, he was just kind of in front. Mm-hmm. I From watching that game, I remember the Leafs having like three scoring chances. That's it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. In, against the Hurricanes? I the, I still consider Matthews' wraparound a scoring chance. He scored. He had another mm-hmm. wraparound. He, he tr- it was a stop. But yeah. other than that, I like. They hit the post a couple times, but it was on the outside of the post. Well, I think Tavares' chance in Tavares front was a legitimate chance. That chance. was blocked by the defense. And then Alex stick. Kerfoot on a two-on-one on a PK, like straight breakaway, just missed the puck. I, other than that, I thought they had no sustained offense. It was really bad. Yeah, it was bad. A lot of cycling around, which we've seen a lot. Mm-hmm. Cycle around the zone, around the zone. They couldn't get to the middle of the ice. And Carolina's a really sound defensive team, and they have really good defensemen, top yeah. to bottom. Ethan Bear looks phenomenal for them, by the way. Um he had the primary assist on the Sebastian Ajo goal. Yeah, and they really generated no offense. With this line shakeup, like, I thought, you know, I, I agree. Mitch Marner has been really struggling. I thought Matthews would have a lot more chances. He, I really thought that was his worst game of the year, even though he scored, yeah, in he terms is, of chances generated. Very, I haven't really thought he's been very good at all in the mm-hmm. last three. Even the San Jose game, we were all there. There was a chance where Marner set him, like, wide open in front. He, like, overstick handled it. I don't know what's so going Marner on. Marner put it through three San Jose players, tape to tape, like Moses spreading the Red Seas, tape to tape, wide open net. You'd think the former Rocket Richard winner would put that just shelf show. He fumbled it. He didn't get it a shot went It's right crazy. By, like, I don't know. I bet Mitch Marner was seething after that one because a guy that's struggling and is demanding this much negative attention to feed someone like that and just in a prime scoring area just well, to same have thing it fumble yeah, another one as well. Like it's a wide, it's a wide open chance. Like, he just misses the puck. To preface it, Mitch Marner is he's not playing well. He's not playing well but at he's, all. He's making some good passes. Yeah, and they're going unnoticed. Why? Because they're not. Because going the in. rest of the team is, I don't know, banana brains and just shooting it wide, fumbling the puck. 
There was one. I put it on the Instagram story. It was Mitch Marner goes down the wing, feeds it to Morgan Riley, and it just like fumbled off his stick and went the other way. It's like, <laughs> all right. I wonder why Mitch Marner has one secondary assist this year. And again, he's not been he's good. Not He'll tell well. you he's no. not playing well. But he's the easy scapegoat now, which is fine. That's what Toronto wants to do. They want to do that. But there's a lot of things to analyze yeah. here. Like, not to jump points, but I think our top four D as a whole, which all was right. a overwhelming strength last year has almost been an overwhelming weakness this year no they've yeah. been absolute we, doggy the, shit. The, the Leafs are first or last however you want to look at it in expected goals against which is the they were taught like oh, really? yes yeah they've no. given up the most expected goals against and that's like a big strong point from last season when they were top 10 in expected goals against uh that's that's kind of a big shift I know it's only been seven games but it's still one of the re- we're giving up a lot of chances and and I don't know. Why do you guys, it's, what do you guys see? It's looking abnormal. Sorry, mm-hmm. to, to close off, let's close off on the Carolina point and then mm-hmm. we'll get into Sorry. the defense section yes. next, yeah. right? So with the Carolina game, I thought the third period was a bit stronger. The second period and the second half of the first period, like, How many because shots I was watching the full game after, I watched the third period the night of, and then I watched the full game the day after. I was like, okay, like I, I think in the second period they pick it up, right? And it was like, or in the first period they played really well, and it was just like, all right, like this is awful. <laughs> they stink. There wasn't a good chance until Kerfoot dropped it to Tavares and he airmailed it over the net, like, and then to to boot, Carolina had a lot of good odd man rushes. A Jack lot. Campbell played well. He did. Like I can't fault him on almost any of the goals. The 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 Aho tip dropped about. Three feet. Impossible to save. Impossible. It's a great tip. Holy, he's a great player. They were gushing over him. Um, the Steven Lorenz one where he just absolutely bodies Rosmus Sandin. I mean, that was our best defensive pairing, and they've been our best defensive pairing. However, that, that was, was a, a tough play. look. That was a rough play. Big Stevie yeah. Lorenz from Waterloo absolutely bodied him. But And then the third goal, I'm drawing a blank on right now. It was Slavin makes the play on Marner at the oh, blue line. They send oh, yeah. it down low. Yeah, and that was then, not a good look on. No, it wasn't. It not was a good look on Brody, because, and then not a good look on Marner. It was because. bad because he broke the play out before, and then it just happened to not get out of the zone, and then he just did a drive. Did a good, yeah, yeah, a good play by Slavin and a bad play by Marner. Shaking shimmy by Slavin, and then Brody for some reason. Yeah, Brody mm-hmm. came to Slavin, and then Matthews also came to mm-hmm. Slavin, and then Matthews that came off of him, and then it was just like. You're leaving the guy down low open. Story of the Leafs' defense so far this year. But what I didn't really like and what I was really, really upset about, Frederick Anderson, I thought, last year really struggled on point shots. And even the year before, I felt that he really, when a point shot comes in, the goalie is standing straight up. Why? So that you can see the the shot coming in better. Because there's going to be people in front causing traffic and causing some havoc. You want to be able to see the shot coming in, and then you slowly get into your couch and make the save. I found that Frederick Anderson would lose the puck and he would typically flop down and it would cause the puck to go in somehow because he would lose sight of it. I didn't see any contested point shots from the Leafs D yesterday. I mean, the there way... was one slap shot from Travis Dermott and Anderson saw it the whole way. The only Leaf forward that's truly engaged offensively, in my opinion, is Rasmus Sandin. I think Morgan... He's a defenseman. Defenseman. <laughs> Sorry, that's, what did I say? A forward. Sorry, I mean, their only defenseman mm-hmm. who's engaged offensively Consistently, every game has been Rasmus Sandin. Yeah. I think Morgan Riley has tried to. I think he's generated mm-hmm. opportunities, but he simply has not done anything with those chances, right? And I don't know why. It's just like he when he gets the puck on a stick, it explodes. Like he still gets a shot up, counts as a, as a 
you got shot for, of course you expect a goal, whatever. But it just has not led to sustainable offense. Like those are not good plays when Morgan Riley has the puck in the offensive zone, in my opinion. They have not been. And typically what you really like to see from Morgan Riley is when he gets the puck and it's straight line up the up the yeah. ice with mm-hmm. it because he's a really good skater. I mean, how many times have you seen him like kind of shift off the defense the, the defense because he's skating up with it and it's that extra man up in the attack? I haven't seen any like I haven't really seen much like I don't know straight li- off the rush action from mm-hmm. the Leafs. So yeah, here's the thing: at five on five, at least we, again we've been tracking the zone entry, zone exits. We'll release it eventually. It's not like. No one cares about that right now, unfortunately. But a trend we've noticed, number one, the Leafs are dumping the puck in way oh, more yeah. this year. Like like William Nylander's dumping mm-hmm. it. Mitch Marner's dumping it. Like, and, there and, are guys who are normally used for transition are dumping it in. So it's clearly, to me, uh, ex- strategy. A, a strategy from the coaching staff. My question is, look at this roster. Who are the truly great puck retrievers on this roster that make you want to dump it in all, more than you've been carrying the puck in over the line. Like bunting. But you know who's been the best so far that we've seen has actually been Jason Spezza mm-hmm. at yeah. actually retrieving the puck, yeah. which makes sense. He's got that toe curve, long stick, but yeah. they have not had a guy consistently do that. So I don't understand why they've overemphasized the dump in. On top of that, it hasn't even been from the forwards. You can tell there's been a complete... Focus on having the defenseman when they're able to rush the puck up, to rush the puck up and be aggressive, but clear the red line and dump the puck in. So not only that, even if you had more chances to carry the puck in from your forwards, half of those have been going to the defenseman so far. It's completely eliminated the transition offense of the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. That is the biggest issue I've seen so far. We've had no transition offense in terms of three on twos created off the rush or two like we how many two on ones have the Leafs had this year really I think I can list the Mitch Marner against Ottawa in the past three games none other than Marner to Kerfoot and this is not a team that has been sustainably good at at getting chances off the cycle they've had a lot of cycle time because teams actively want them to cycle Mm -hmm. because they look at the skill on this team and say wow if this team's just playing on the perimeter and they can't get to the net, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. We don't want William Nylander to do his patented zone entry, dangle 10 guys and create a play. We're happy with them dumping it in. And the Leafs are playing right into that right now, which is really frustrating to watch. So you think that opposing teams D are hanging back a little bit and not playing as aggressive? It seems that way. And again, it's like our defense are doing it, though. It's not even like, okay, let's get the puck as quick as we can to Austin Matthews or William Nylander. It's been a lot of, all right, TJ Brody's got, he's got a lane. He's going to skate up and dump it in. And I don't really get why, to be honest. I don't get it. It kind of reminds me what they were doing at the end of the Montreal series that I remember that game seven. They just clear the red line, dump it in. Montreal would transition it out. Like no, they had no sustained pressure. And it's frustrating. If you had a bunch of Zach Hyman's, Mm -hmm. Michael Bunting's. If you were the Islanders, for example. Yeah. That's what you would want to do. If you were Vegas, they do that a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's been like a copycat the coaching staff is in their own head about it? Possibly. Or? Maybe. Because I don't think this is coming from the players. Like, what I'm seeing no. is a very weird coaching strategy out there, especially with the defense. And I put this on Twitter as well. I didn't get an answer. I thought it was a great point. But it was Nick Richard from uh, the Leafs Nation was pointing out how Jake Muzzin is going poo-poo brains out there pretty much with his, his selections on pinching. 
There's been a lot of weird pinches, and it's resulted in the past few games in a lot of odd man rushes coming the other way. We saw it especially in the Pittsburgh game and a lot in the Carolina game, and even, I think, less a few times in the San Jose game that I can remember for sure. But it's something that I pointed out at the beginning of the year, like, hey, are you going to be playing this aggressive against better teams like San Jose? And it, it bit them in the ass this, pa- this last little bit. So it's very strange. And I mean, the one pairing that's doing it well is Sandine Dermott, yeah. and it's because it plays right into their archetype. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I don't know, who, who's the D coach for the Leafs right now? Is it that guy they got from Carolina? Because if that's so, that's very surprising. Also, the other thing like to talk about Sandine, he's the only defenseman who's actually like, wow, okay, maybe I won't dump this in and I'll get a zone entry. And he's done pretty well. He actually had yeah. one failed zone entry against Carolina in the first period, but that's fine. Like you'd almost rather that than all of these dump ins. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to have your D core, which are other than really Riley and Sandine slower guys. Let's be honest. They're not the fleetest of foot. No, though. which is fine because they wanted tougher, bigger guys to be transitioning the puck up yeah. and taking opportunities away from Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander, Spezza, Kasha. Like in my opinion, that's a flawed strategy. Yep. A hundred percent. You had a point, Jason? No. no. All right. But you hit the nail on the head. Like I don't know what more there is to say. Yeah. But do, what do you think that this is a coaching thing that may change as we go along, or do you think it better change I ho- ASAP? I hope, I hope it's a coaching thing. Like it looks like that's how they want to play. It makes sense because it like from their offensive zone time, like you said, they're doing a lot of low cycles, which also is probably a coaching thing. They look more like Vegas when they were playing. In the, I remember when we were watching Vegas in the playoffs. Yeah. They look. That's how it looks like they're playing. Um, well, it's like, Ve- like- Vegas actually was effective off the rush, though, bringing up the fourth defenseman. Like, this has been like, they're they're not attacking as much. Yeah, but that's because they have Petrangelo like- and Shea Theodore. Mm-hmm. Like, those guys are yeah. studs. It's not, no offense to Jake Muzzin. He's a great defensive defenseman, but he, yeah, he can't exactly. do that stuff. But then exactly. what happened to them against Montreal? It bit them in the ass. They overcycled, yep. and they gave up too many odd man rushes. And I feel like if you're going to play a lot of the cycle game, and what I've been yearning for, yearning, that's a new word for this podcast, but... It's it's you're not throwing enough volume to the net and then crashing it in from there. And that's where you need commitment from your forwards. Like we have not seen enough volume from the if you're going to be cycling it like this, there's nowhere near enough volume going towards the net and then just a big crash and shit show in front. Who's been doing well with that when it has been like going on? Tavares has been doing pretty well with it. Simmons has doing been doing well. Engvall's been a good supporting floating on the outside and kind of getting it back into the mess. He's not quite in that, but he's like he's been a supporting factor. Spezza, but I don't know. Like that's where that's not really William Nylander's kind of game. That's not Mitch Marner's game. That's not Austin Matthews' game. And that's where their offense has been completely stifled, I feel like. Like even William Nylander, he only has one assist in the last four games, too. And it was off a one timer. That hit a shoulder and he knocked in, right? Like, and that's not even off of lack of chance. I think he's played pretty well. There is a bit of bad luck too. That was the transition yeah. point. Like, I don't think anyone who's watched Leafs would say that Nylander's played bad this year because he's played no, really he's, well. He's, he's been very well. transitioned the puck well when he's had to. He's had a lot of sustained zone time. He's done everything right. How does he only have one point in four games? And he's played twenty over twenty minutes twice in those four games. Like, how is that happening? There's a bit of bad luck here too. Yeah. Leafs aren't going to shoot 5% all year. That's impossible. I hope the hell not. So, again, when we're talking about, oh, doom and gloom, but where can it turn around? There is, I know people hate this, there is some bad luck here. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, 
And how do you turn it around? Go on. Yeah. Sorry. You go. Yeah. How do you turn around? Um, Jake Muzzin has to stop pinching and Justin Holt needs to learn how to play a two-on-one. Uh, Justin Holt looks like... It looks like a cameraman is telling him to pose and he's never done modeling before because he just like kind of stands up and it's like, do I dive here? Do I not? And then it's just like uh, an awkward kind of pose and then it's going through him. But it's like, why is he being put in that position? Because Muzzin is like... I don't know. Does Muzzin have a concussion? Like, there's something wrong there. His decision-making is really weird. I, something about Hall. Jason told me something today, that, what, like talking expansion. Like, you'd love to have Jared McCann on this team. Honestly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And also, Would you? I mean, Jared yeah. McCann, uh, top of the blue line, dump it in. I think they're using him a little different in Seattle. I know, but he's just better than Alex Kerfoot. That's the biggest thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, oh, to, yeah. to think that they ever were going to take Kerfoot, if they ever were going to take Kerfoot over McCann is crazy. Oh, it's absolutely insane. Like that, honestly, in terms of other than Mitch Marner, who's been very disappointing, Alex Kerfoot to me has been like the most, just what, is, what does he do? Mm-hmm. Like, what does he do? What is, what is the strength of Alex Kerfoot's game? Uh, I don't know. He's kind of like well-rounded <laughs> in every area, but doesn't do anything like exceptionally well. He just yeah, kind of is like else average does that? Adam Brooks, and he yeah. was on waivers and doesn't make three and a half mil. Yeah. Like I, my, Let's transition here. Yeah. What about the lines? Like, Kerfoot ended up two left wing. I think he looks completely lost when he plays left I wing. I think so, too. I know people I disagree know. with me. I think he looks lost. Um, I don't know. He didn't look that great last game. It was kind of weird. But then who do you put two left wing? Kasha? Yeah, pretty easy. I think, I'm shocked they didn't put him there to begin with. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised on that one. I thought it was weird with Richie's game. I, I, he doesn't, like, is he a winger? Yeah. Because I didn't quite notice that when he was playing. He kind of floats over to the other side, and then it's just like floating back and forth. Like, he played well, but it was just like, at points, I'm like, why are you in the middle of the ice? Like, stretch the ice out, dude. Why are you just following the puck? Yeah, but, I don't know. He he just needs to be... I, I get why he's been not well-received at times, because he just doesn't seem always engaged, like, at all. Yeah, no. Like, there's some shifts, it's like he's just doing absolutely nothing, which... Is annoying, but and what you, you said something about Nylander with Matthews that I thought was interesting. What? Oh, I just I thought they were completely ineffective last game. I don't know about you guys. Like that that line seemed to like not do a lot for me. A lot of people were have been like calling on Twitter for a while now to kind of have Nylander move up on yeah. that first line and play with Matthews, but I just don't think that they work together. I think Matthew and Nylander both want the puck on their stick at all times. And I think when Nylander uh Nylander, he can make obviously fantastic passes. He's a great passer, but I think he's more, he's better when he has the puck on his stick. And I think having those two guys on the same line doesn't really work out that well. I'm curious to see, because I assume they're going to roll with these lines for a couple more games. I don't think they're going to scrap it right away. They shouldn't, because that's what we used to see with Babcock. Mm-hmm. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, so I, I'd be interesting to see how, but like when, what I saw when they were playing is like, I think they could, like they completed one pass to each other the entire game. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see anything working well at all in the offensive zone. I actually thought that the second line did a lot better and had more effective zone time in the offensive zone than the the Matthews and Nylander line did. The one thing I will say is like when Mitch Marner plays with Austin Matthews, you could tell it's like he's trying to feed him, force yes. feed him. It's like yeah. Drake London, you yeah. know, like <laughs> hey. it's true. He, it's like Marner's actively like, okay, where's Austin Matthews on the ice? Whereas I don't think Nylander's ever thought, where's another player on the ice? I'm mm. the player on yeah. the ice. I'm the Rightfully <laughs> so. He Which is. is, we saw him do it in the playoffs. Absolutely. Okay, put me with Kerfoot Freaking and Galchenyuk awesome. and mm. I'll score five goals. Yes. So 
I, I don't know. I, like William Nylander is like the ultimate right now wild card on the least roster in terms of I think you could play him anywhere. He'd probably be pretty effective. Yeah. Oh, he's yeah. He's become it's like this guy's a stud. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love him. But that's really but that's like part of the reason why I don't like I don't want him with Matthews. You know, Matthews is a stud. Nylander are, are, is a stud. Let's separate them and get just I think shove it down the, the opponent's throats. Make it make them exhausted with it with how they play. I think that the idea that Eric gave us in the summer, shout out Eric, friend of the pod. I think th- three lines of split of those four players make sense at this point. I'm surprised they haven't tried it yet. And where do they send David Camp? Because uh, I anywhere. <laughs> I don't care about David. You can play I, the th- I don't but, want him on a, a line with one of Matthews Marner. No, 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 Eli. no, no. But you could put Spezza on one of those lines now. Yeah. And and David Camp can be your fourth line shutdown terrible minutes guy just playing a little less. Yeah. Yeah. What about what about Nylander, Spezza, Marner as a line? That could be interesting. Spezza, Marner. What about yeah. and then what about Bunting, Matthews, Kasha? Uh I think almost anything at this point. And then but you can give Tavares two grindy guys. You can give him Richie yeah. and Engvall. You can give him Richie and Kerfoot. Like Richie and Simmons would be a slow line. But I think even keep putting the jumbler out there. Like mm-hmm. I, I think it, it. Why why not at this yeah. point? E- even even if like roll yeah like I want to see them changing the lines up every like couple of games. Roll with it for a bit, then change it up. Roll with it for a bit, and then change it up. Also, what happened to the power play after the first game? Yeah, I don't know. Like it looks it looks almost worse than after the, the second game. They Sorry, the second, the second game. game. They, it looks awful. It looks I, anyways, awful. I wanted to go to your point. Marner feet, force feeding Matthews and not shooting the puck. So Matthews the first game back against New York. Marner at five on five had zero shots. The second game, San Jose, zero shots. And then Pittsburgh, he had two. In Carolina, he had one, but he was separated from from him against Carolina. And then Pittsburgh, it was just a shit show. It's whatever. I mean, whatever you can throw. So that is an interesting point. I mean, are they so in their own heads now? He doesn't know. Maybe like, it's I, I I can't do it. Like you take it, kind of like I don't know. I don't know. That is can- an interesting point, though. So what did you think about the power play? Uh, Last three games, just like very pedestrian. So th- they they actually announced, <laughs> they made a change. Yeah, yeah, on Twitter today that they swapped Nylander and Marner back. So yeah, Mar- I, Nylander's I think, in the bumper spot. I think that makes more sense, honestly. Marner. Like. From what I've seen from that new setup, the last three games, it's been they can't even keep the puck in the zone. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it's been an absolute disaster, honestly. The second power play has been significantly better with oh, Pierre yes. Engvall on one of the half walls. So how does that make sense? <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. I do know what power play you're talking about. And it was crazy because they did drop some power. They, they drew some penalties mm-hmm. at some key times, but then it was just like, you get on the power play and it's like, okay, like what are we doing out here? <laughs> but and, and they still haven't utilized the bo- like the the behind the net areas as much as all. I'd like them to. I and any time I watch a lot of, I, I've seen it a lot. Watch a lot of hockey this year. Teams do do that. They do like mm-hmm. to start the puck more lower than higher. Which Leafs love it all at the top of the umbrella. That's where ninety five percent of their power play puck touches are you know, as far away from the net as possible in your own. But it's interesting when you have the puck behind the net like that, like the defending player does have to keep a head on like their head on a swivel more kind of thing. Like what's going on behind Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And like, that's where it's a, it's a different kind of transition of movement for everyone on the ice. And I feel like, yeah, they could, they should be using it more, but I have no idea why they're not. 
There was an interesting play about the since Matthews has returned, I don't think they've scored a power play. The, ma- the power play, this makes no sense, got significantly worse when Austin Matthews came mm. back. And I have no idea why, but it did. Like Outside of the New York game, he hasn't been... Nice. No, well, to be fair, again, like, coming, coming back, back from, from an injury... injury like, from a wrist surgery. And I'm sorry, I'm not one of those Leaf fans that's going to bag on Austin Matthews because I don't want him to leave. And he will leave. I'm telling you, he will. Mm-hmm. This market, yeah. I, I, I have a, like a f- 50 to a minute point about Toronto market. It's the most ridiculous sports market that I know of. Here's why. Philly is crazy. Philly's crazy. But when teams come to Philly, they get absolutely roasted by their fans. Leaf fans rip on their own players. Do that as much as you want. It is so easy to play in the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. There's no players coming here like, oh, no, I got to play in Toronto. It's almost better. I'm from Toronto. No one boos me. No one says anything. We've been to games. Jason, it happened to Jason, it happened to our buddy Nick too, where fans are like, you're cheering too loud. Can you sit down? Like cheering for the Leafs. Oh, you're, you're too loud. Like that's what, and it's the fakest tough town for a, like a sports town I've ever seen. You're tough on your own guys. And then the other team comes down. It's like, shh, quiet, quiet while they have a power play. Make sure, make sure they can hear. Like it's the opposite of what it should be. And it pissed me off this week. It's quite interesting. I mean, like when other teams come to town, how much family do they have in the crowd too? Yeah. Like. <laughs> Like when Drew, Shore, I think it's Devin Shore on the Edmonton Oilers. When he comes to town, it's like because I was there twice when he was on Dallas. I think half of Ajax decided to show up at Scotiabank Arena, I buy it. and it was like his whole family. I saw so many Devin Shore jerseys. How many Devin Shore jerseys have you seen in your life? How many exist? Like they, exactly, they all were bought. They were all purchased by the city of Ajax, if it's even a city. And at the arena that night. I thought that was crazy. Do you understand what my point is? I, yeah. It is, yeah. 100%. Think about when the Raptors were in the finals. What happened at, uh, at Golden State's hotel when they were here? Oh, yeah. Fireworks. Someone, yeah. someone was lighting off fireworks outside of their hotel. Like, yeah, 4 a.m. Yeah. You hear about, like, even, like, the Danbury Trashers, the, the equipment manager would stay in the, the opposing team's hotel the night before, and he would light off the fire alarm every single time. Like, you don't get any of that. I know what you mean. hundred percent. It's it's. It must be a, so a cakewalk to also play in again. Pitcher being John Tavares right now. I just want to. He chose to come here for less money. He almost literally died on the ice. It was one of the worst looking injuries you'll ever see. He started slow this year. I understand, and people want him traded or whatever. Sent if you were him or any similar player looking at that, why the hell would you ever want to play here? Yeah. And then the fans will complain why players don't want to play here. That's why. Like, Steven Stamkos has not been good the last three years. Over, like, no. He's been injured in and out of the lineup. He plays in Tampa Bay. Nobody cares. Yep. As long as they win. And, they, and no offense to Steven Stamkos. What was he, like, the sixth most impactful player in their cup run? Honestly. Mm-hmm. Probably even last. Yeah. Well, like, in the finals, he was, like, Bottom, bottom well, yeah, point, team, Kucherov, like, Headman, earlier in the playoffs, earlier in the playoffs, he was pretty. Killorn outproduced them in mm-hmm. the playoffs. Like, I don't but, know. I understand your point there, but it's interesting to see, like TJ Brody. From what I heard, like his, like people around him were saying, there's no chance he signs in Toronto. He signed in Toronto. Michael Bunting, it was cheap, so it's like, how much can you really criticize them? Came back home to yeah, Toronto. Yeah, but those players Ritchie, came because like, of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And those mm-hmm. guys yeah. are b- being driven out of town right now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and it was also two. Two years ago, when we were a lot more ho hum about the Leafs and happy with them, instead of just, I don't know, the situation that we're in now. But also, the situation that we're in now is not the worst situation. No, it's, it's not. No. I'm, I'm not talking about the situation. No, no, I, I'm just I saying mean the fan base. The, the fan base situation. The mentality is of the fan I'm base. saying the actual situation. I know people are not going to like to hear this. 
Go look at Tampa Bay, Vegas, and Colorado's record right now. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Go look at Buffalo's. You think Buffalo's better than those teams? No. So maybe at the end of the day, we'll look back at this in June, hopefully, and say that was just a little bad stretch, hopefully, because I don't know what else to say. One thing that can I say that did kind of rattle me, some of Sheldon Keefe's postgame comments, like, I'm going to read one for you. From last night's game, my confidence gets a boost today from myself, frankly, just because I don't know if it shows up in from what you guys are watching, but from ice level, that's games played at a much higher pace. We got a chance of uh, a sense of what a Stanley Cup contending team looks like and feels like. He's there's no positive spin from last night's game. None. They did not play well. Who played well on the team last night? So how did you get a confidence boost? No, nobody. Like. You saw a little bit better from Nick Ritchie. Like, the fourth line played better or, like, solid, but it's like they're out there for eight minutes. I, I heard Chris that Johnson. Didn't make, that didn't make sense to me. I, no. know, I know what you mean. I heard Chris Johnson say on his new podcast talking about the Leafs, like, the pressure on the GM and the coach, and he said he doesn't think Kyle Dubas, like, thinks this is a make-or-break year, but it is a make-or-break year now. That's interesting. It is, right? Like, Elliot Friedman, actually, 32 po- Thoughts podcast, he was very critical of the Amazon series right now, saying, like, imagine, like, like I think it broke the players mentality, mentally. Who knows? Maybe. Like, now we're, but, like, the situation is not great here. Let's get real. Like, this was a make-or-break year, and we haven't started very well. That's why the animosity is so high. But, like, it's, it's kind of crazy that we're now, like, hmm, like... That that Amazon series that we loved, hmm, did it break them? Is this breaking them? Like, did this tweet send Mitch Marner off the deep end? Like, yeah, it's shitty. We haven't played well, and I think people are just trying yeah. to grasp at things yeah. and reasons as to why. Like, giving Cope. up the most expected goals against, that, that'll do it. That'll yep. do it. They haven't even won the deserve to win a meter the last two uh, games. The last two games. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they didn't two. deserve to win. They definitely didn't. Dom from the Athletic was, made a joke. He was like, "Ah, you can't uh, underperform your expected goals if you get none." Yep. <laughs> that's that true. was a good one. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, that's why like the animosity is so high. I don't think it's gotten to the point yet where it's like you have to trade a big piece. That's you have not to happening fire in someone. the season though. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is the NHL. No yeah. players on contracts get traded in the season. Last time no. was line A for Dubox. That was like a unicorn situation where two teams had the same. Like situation. the only situation would be Marner for Jack Eichel. Again, like let's do it. Uh, no, yeah. not right now. Not right now. But then you, because Jack Eichel's not playing this year. I know. So that you but that's do, the trade people are saying. So I'm just, I'm just giving it, it as right an example. Now? Uh, would, would he play in the, the playoffs? Season. I, I think he'd be able to come If he was good in the playoffs, playoffs, you throw him on LTIR, trade for like another great player. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, dude, that would be. I know, but that's, again, that is complete pie in the sky because what they actually want for Jack Eichel is like four first-round picks and three young players. They don't want yeah. money back, right? Mm-hmm. But No, and they're not retaining. No. So, you know what's going to have to happen? Like, they're just going to have to play better. That's it. Yep. But I do think, I was telling Jason this earlier, maybe this is an opportunity for Kyle Dubas to say, you know, I normally am a big trade deadline guy. Let's start sniffing around mm-hmm. now. Let's yeah. insert yeah. a big piece into the lineup now. Well, when did he trade for Jake Muzzin? That was February, though. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's like less. It was, than it was like before. six games before the mm-hmm. trade deadline. The only only in like like pre trade like in season before trade deadline trade I can remember is the Jack Campbell, Campbell one, and that's because it was like yep. we need a goalie right freaking. But now. that was also still like not too that late. Early, yeah. It was, and it was out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can't remember. Was I, that in March? 
No, I think no, that, that was in January. January. That was in January oh, okay. or like you're late, right. You're early right. February. But yeah, if you, he should be sniffing around. Andrew Mangiapane. Yeah, that would be. I don't think they want to give him up right now. He's on the fourth line, and he's scoring goals. It's crazy. <laughs> he has five goals playing like 14 That's minutes the one tonight. Team I haven't watched very much. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. so. I know that was jumbled, but I hope we gave some actual contextual insight on like what's going mm-hmm. on with the team. Yeah. In short, there's been changes strategically from the – like there's been strategic changes, it seems, on the ice from the Leafs that have really not benefited them. There's a lot of pressure on this team right now, and it's not the end of the world. It's if, if, if they're playing like this 20 games in the season, then we'll talk, you know, then we'll yeah. talk and we'll be like a little more worried, but it's, it's again, it's only so been set a date, games. set a panic date. <laughs> we'll find their 20th game the day after their 20th game. No, I think, I think Christmas is like the panic time. You think so? Yeah. Fair. Well, I was thinking 20 game 20 as well. Game That's 20, probably like end of, mi- end of November. Game true. 20. So I'm just game 20. We got to find what game mid- 20 November. is. Yeah. We should have prepped that a little better, <laughs> but because 20 games in, that's uh, a quarter way through the season, and if they're still like, if you're playing like crap for a full quarter of a season, that's not good. But again, like they've only played really poorly for the past two, th- two games. I don't, know, I don't want to lump the San Jose in that because I thought they were better than in, in the San Jose game than the last two. So, um, yeah, like they. Okay, so game 20 is November 21st. They have a game on the 20th, and then the 18th. So we'll set. We'll uh, we'll set, I guess, then the 20th is a Saturday, 21st is a Sunday. So then, what do we say? That, that the week? 22nd? Yep, that's 22nd the same weekend is USC plays UCLA. I know exactly how this so is going to go. That's my birthday. That's when we pull the alarm. Hey. Sounds good. All right, so it's all pull lining the alarm up. on Joey's okay. birthday. <laughs> hey, happy right. birthday. The Leafs are not making the playoffs. <laughs> okay, so we'll set in an actual date. After the November 18th game, that's a... Panic day. Yeah, we'll set we'll set a reminder, and we'll too. try to be maybe the only podcast out there that isn't just absolutely like reaming eighteen wheeler off a cliff leaf moment. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I see a lot of people like for some reason reveling in Mitch Marner not playing well. I know how good of a player he is. He was the number one right winger in the NHL All Star voting last year. He was like whatever first team All right winger. Like he's obviously a very good player, and obviously not playing very well right now. Actually playing quite poorly right now. I have confidence that this seven-game sample, and let's go back 14 games. The last 14-game sample of Mitch Marner's career does not define him as a player. So that, that's the last thing I'm going to yeah. say about that. I know people think I'm a homer for Mitch Marner. I am, but I also think he's been playing like dog water right now. So. Yeah. yeah, no, it and hasn't you, been good. You can say that and still be a fan, but yeah. No, exactly. I don't think people want him to, do, to like I know. come back. There's though. some people who people don't want him to succeed. would prefer him to like become Ben Simmons in mm-hmm. Toronto. Yeah, I, I'm serious. That's true. That's I, because a, of what they perceive of his contract negotiation, which is insane when you think about it. It out gets loud. worse and worse. It seems every day. Like, it does, honestly. He, yeah, he trends it, every day. On so I don't know if weird. it's just for me. But it, well, it also will well, get every worse. time anyone signs, anytime there's a trade, anytime anyone does anything, Mitch Marner trends in Toronto. Also, FYI, if Mitch Marner was making nine million, they that doesn't change the fact they got whooped by the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins 7-1. That wouldn't change yeah. anything. Yeah. No, it like, wouldn't at all. But it's an easy scapegoat. We've seen also, it in if Marner blocked you on Twitter, it's probably because you're a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I also don't think he ever uses his no, Twitter. No, obviously not. Yeah, None just, of these guys just, use their just, social media. Just to let you know, guys. Just but also, know. the other thing is I've kind of started noticing it now. Like Everything goes back to money in sports. I don't know why. Maybe it's just like because people watching obviously don't make like $50 million. Mm-hmm. So they're like... I've seen it this week with Garrett Cole on the Yankees, who's probably the best pitcher in baseball, getting absolutely roasted by Yankees fans. There's not even a salary cap in that league. You can give guys as much as you want. Patrick Mahomes 
who's yeah. probably the best athlete in the world other than McDavid, Lamar Jackson, is getting roasted by Chiefs fans saying he took too much money. He didn't give a team-friendly deal. Like, maybe that's just a thing that happens. I don't know. It's the automatic default to when things are going bad. I was in the bathroom line in the San Jose game. I told you guys this already. The guy behind me was complaining, you know, San Jose looks good. I bet they don't have any overpaid, overpaid players. Nobody making $11 million. I was like, I almost wanted to turn and just show them their cap friendly. Like, San Jose is the worst contract situation of any team in the league. The worst. No, it's beyond the worst. Yeah. So, I don't know. They have a third-pairing defenseman making, what, seven and a half at 32 years old? Mark Edward Vlasic. And they have Eric Carlson, who, to be fair, is playing well this year. Good. I wanted to say that oh, when we talk around the league. against the Leafs. Oh, my he, God. He's got five They dialed back his minutes, though, and they yeah. gave some to Ferrero. They gave some middle. He's playing with Jacob Middleton. One they thing, have some good cap efficiency. I, I thought there. San Jose looked really good in that oh, yeah. game, by the way. Like, that's going to be a, probably a playoff contending team. So I think I they're re- a lot faster. Oh, yeah. When I rewatched the game... Um, uh, Gord Miller was talking about Jonathan Dowen, who we mentioned last podcast. So he said, oh, he went back to Sweden and played the pro league there. He went back to the second, second league, league there and tore it up for a couple of years and then tore up the top league and then came back over. He looks like a stud. Crazy. And they got him for, I think they traded Francis Perron for him. Yeah. Do you guys know who Francis Perron no. is? I don't know where he is right now, but he's a good AHL player. That's it. Right? So it's kind of crazy. But... Jason, I, I want you. I want to hear the analysis on Wednesday's game. Give me something positive about the game against Chicago. Positive, oh, buddy. They're playing Seth Jones. He's going to play twenty-five minutes what, going into the game. Yeah. What do you think was going to happen in that game? Let's start looking ahead. Right. Oh so, my god! Uh, to get into it, I watched the Detroit Chicago game, which they play the next Great. those two game those two players. Chicago, they have one weakness in their own ze- uh, in their own end. Breaking out, their forwards are extremely weak along the boards. It seems like they're almost allergic, and it's not like the Brinkat actually throws the body too. He's like five He's foot great. seven, and he He's he has zero even strength points this year. He's still great. Like it, that's crazy. But they have two guys, like Kubalik and him, can really really shoot the puck very well. Power play is pretty deadly there. Seth Jones. You're saying, oh, he's top 10 defenseman in the league. You really got to watch him play. He makes some fancy plays. He's a six foot seven guy. He can get around pretty well. He's pretty skilled. He handles the puck well, and I really like the way he does stretch passes. However, he is completely bananas out there. He doesn't know how to play a position. There are so many times where he, he'll pinch in, he'll join the rush, he'll stand in ineffective spots like he's a winger almost, in an ineffective spot. He'll stay there. And then if he's on the opposite end of the ice, he'll just pick that end and start playing. Oh, I, I started the shift as right defense. I'm going to start playing left D now. now. Watch on, I think, Lucas Raymond's second goal. He's playing the left side. He did not start the shift as on uh, playing left D. And it was completely his fault. And I showed you guys that clip. It's like terrible. He did that three times in the second period. He, that one shift, he probably made 10 mistakes. That you, If you were like cutting tape for like a, a kid being like, this is how you should play. It'd be like 10 examples of this is not what you should be doing. Absolutely not. But he can shoot the like His physical skills, I can see why people get lost in, what are you talking about? He's a great player. His physical skills are off the walls. It's fantastic. He just, it, it's like he's like, he just doesn't know what he's doing out there. If Seth Jones... I would have been excited about a trade for Seth Jones if it was this. If they t- a team took him in and it was a reclamation project. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to take him in. We're going to rein him, like reduce the minutes. We're going to really show him like what you're doing wrong. We're going to focus in on him. And if he wasn't traded for a boatload of prospects and picks, 
I'd be like, I'm a huge fan. This guy has sky's the limit. He was brought into Chicago. They stripped Chicago of all their young players and their picks. They gave him nine and a half for next year. That kicks in next Holy year. Smokes. And it's he he plays twenty eight minutes a night. Like he's gonna put up a ton of power play points this year, but it's like outside of that, it's like, dude, someone's gotta tell him, like, hey, you can't start the shift playing right D and finish it playing left wing. Especially when you have weak defensive wingers like Kane and mm-hmm. Kubalik and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. right? Just my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, so against at least against Chicago, we should we should in theory be able to win that game, right? If we see a bunch of dumpins in that game, I'm gonna break my I was gonna say this is a perfect game of like let's show the transition. This is a Mm -hmm. skill game. Like Carolina's terrific defensively. We've we said that a lot. Like they've done that for a couple of years now Mm -hmm. and it's worked well for them. And I like I get how the Leafs were stifled by that. Chicago is not a strong defensive team by any stretch of the imagination. So they should be able to have points. Like it's points night. Let's go. But you can't oh, say that about the night. Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, it's a win Hopefully, night, guys. Yeah, Hopefully. Taves is out that game. I don't know if Kane. Kane is, they're all, they're on the list, the COVID yeah. list. So we'll but see. we'll see. We'll see. Could it be another trap game? Who knows? It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. And then they play Every Detroit on Saturday. <laughs> Detroit yeah. is actually, you know, they're, they're playing well. But they'll be with, looks well, good. They'll be without him. <laughs> and oh, you can't travel. <laughs> so we'll be playing Detroit without their best player. <laughs> But actually, I wanted to. I don't know if they're best, but they, right now they're. He's playing very, very well. I think I, I, one guy I wanted to shout out. We're going to talk around the league a little bit, but Lucas Raymond looks like that's a home run pick. Like knocked out. He of the can puck. shoot the puck, dude. He can shoot he the can puck. Really it's shoot nice the to puck. see a nice young player coming into his own before they get paid in the NHL, because that's when you can really enjoy them. Once they get paid, all the enjoyment is just sucked out of it. Well, not oh, yeah. for me, but that's what it seems Dylan like. Dylan Larkin's a fantastic. Oh, Mort Sider. That's another guy to watch out for. Dylan Larkin, as always, is fantastic player but Mort Sider big defenseman quite mobile he's nasty out there too looks like another good pick by Stevie Y so yeah. we'll see um, goaltending's short but, up but like, those should be two very winnable games for the Toronto Maple Leafs so we'll see what happens being honest yeah mm-hmm. Phil Zidina I mean he hasn't hit the score sheet too too much but that's another guy that can really really shoot the puck Nick Letty can actually move the puck up ice pretty well so and, and then Zadina, Rasmussen's going to be a little bit of an issue to deal with in front of the net. He's he's a big body. Zadina, there. if I'm not mistaken, has been playing a little bit with Fabry on Fabry's line, and they've been playing a lot more defensive minutes, which is interesting. Mm. So maybe that's why the points aren't coming for him. But I like his game a lot. It's three three points in six games. Yeah, yeah but he's bad. he's got some skill to him for sure. But again, two winnable games for the two very win, very winnable games in my opinion as well. So if you're at the game, try to raise your voice above a talking level. Yeah. I think it would be appreciated by the players. Um, do you want to get into a little bit of vanilla player of the week and sure. favorite leaf? Sure. Or we should just call it segment to be named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's get into it. All right. So we got some great submissions. Thank you to everyone that submitted because wasn't the best week for this. Uh, let's get real. For, for one of the sides, it was. I mean, you could say the whole... And I gave a suggestion on who you should say for the favorite, and that would be nobody. But um, Alex Markovich said vanilla. He said Marner. Obviously favorite. He said Felix Potvin. Okay. Can't count that one. He's not on the octave roster. Marco Kokeri said Muzzin is vanilla. Interesting. Spezza is his favorite. Uh, Ryan W. said Mikheyev was his favorite. He looked so great up there. That's a great pick. Um, he said vanilla player was bunting. A good thing, TBH. 
I don't understand that one a little bit, but sure, I'll accept it. Tevi Mendel said Holsey probably is vanilla. He wasn't great. Johnny Clasby, this is one I really like. The next two I really, really like. Johnny Clasby said the whole team. Kyle DeMarkey said management. Mm-hmm. Those should be the two, <laughs> the two options, honestly. Yeah. The options should be players, <laughs> players management. I think we're going to go with that Player. one. we got a few more to go through. Um, Jaden Sav, 14, said Spezza and Matthews. Spezza, probably favorite. Matthews, vanilla, I'm guessing. I hope. Um, Claire, sorry if I screw up, Meager, Mihar. Claire M, sorry. Very sorry. <laughs> Vanilla, she said Marner or JT. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I thought JT played well against San Jose. Um, decent against Carolina. Decent, though. So, mm, yeah, sure. I can see it, though, for sure. Favorite Mar- uh, favorite Nylander. Um, I mean, yeah, solid pick. Andrew said, Andrew Kills said nobody. And he said time being a flat circle as his two picks. boy Millsy. Enjoy that bunting jersey, buddy. <laughs> uh, Mark Bott said Keefe. I think that I think that narrative, it's not even a narrative, that fact is gonna start picking up. That mm-hmm. I don't know. Sheldon Keefe, he will be the first scapegoat, I think, personally. Like mm-hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll, does the contract doesn't matter. No. Con- we've known and we yeah. know that it doesn't matter. I'll try to frame the social as best I can tomorrow to show why we think man like that the coaching staff really deserves a lot of fingers to be pointed at them. Mm-hmm. Yura Ute said Marner, unfortunately. Justin Ross said Justin Hole is vanilla, and Josh Hosang is favorite. Josh Hosang didn't put up any points this week, but he had a good shootout goal. So I think people are excited about him. Um, CRS1637 said Marner and then Simmons as the favorite standard. Vanilla entire team from Andrew Cheetah, favorite Campbell. It's a good answer. Casey underscore 3.6 said they all suck, and I'm a Leafs fan. I, that's Very what I was going to say fair, for the yeah. vanilla. It was like this was been just the worst one. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie said, JT, he's the best. We got some deferring opinions. So uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to? I'm don't, literally putting it up like coaching staff or, or players. the players. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. And I think and we're going to. I think it'll be close, actually. How, how do we feel about the favorite? I think we just wait till they play better. You guys okay with that? I mean, it's always a wait and see kind of thing as to who really deserves the blame. But if we continue to see the strategy mm-hmm. put out there as it has been, like if we continue to see players just aimless, just dump it in from the blue line, if we continue to see weird pinches in the in the neutral zone, like that's a strategy play. Sorry, but mm-hmm. eventually something's got to change there. And I think the strategy has been really, really poo-poo this, so far this year. Also, but, Bruce Boudreaux's out there. I know he's never won a Stanley Cup, but like, if you want to get players actually like doing the right, he's notoriously done well at whether players like it or not, which they usually don't. Not really. Jose Theodore said when he was in Washington, got like the Russian players were picking up phone calls in in the middle of meetings. Yeah, but on the ice, I'm saying. Oh, he's yeah, known guess. as a tactician. I'm not sure if Sheldon Keefe is a tactician from what no, I've he's seen. Not. He seems like an extension of management, which is good to have that cohesion. Yeah. But is Sheldon Keefe a tactician? It doesn't seem like it. Seems more of a motivator than a, a tactician. And I really think he came off very poorly in that Amazon Prime series. Just as, like, angry? Just, like, more of a cliche of a coach instead of a mm-hmm. guy that the guys really are like, I want to kill for this guy. It's hmm. interesting. I never thought of it that way. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, around the league. Anything interesting, Jason, that you've seen around the league? 
All the, you brought it up earlier. All the all the good teams are bad. All the bad teams are good. It's, it's weird. It's, it's been a it's weird bizarro story. week in the NHL. I think right for sure. It's been really odd. I don't know like, what's going on. Edmonton apparently. I'm hearing Ken Holland GM of the year already. Good, good for him. Like yep. they've played a lot of bad teams so far. So we'll see if it's points night every night for them. I mean, I still think they have some very glaring weaknesses. I don't. I like they traded for Duncan Keith. They signed Cody Cece in there, like sheltering them, which I guess is good. But then why did you? Why are you paying ten million dollars for your depth, your two depth D? Also, I look at Evan Bouchard and say, why did you like? Add Duncan Keith because Evan Bouchard is just better than mm-hmm. Duncan Keith. Like, has yeah. Evan Bouchard pl- been playing? I haven't oh, gotten he to been watch playing. it. Oh, yeah. He's been on fire. <laughs> I think he has six points in four games or oh, something God. like that. He's been amazing, really good in transition and really good on the second PP unit when he spelled Nurse. Him and Nurse are actually playing together evenly power play after Barry, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. That is interesting. Um, There's on the to- Chicago. On top of that, yeah, the Chicago situation is obviously. Really, really ugly. If you didn't see, there was a report that came out. Or sorry, they the findings from the investigation from the law firm that the owners hired um, in the summer when the allegations, the civil suit came out from hockey player John Doe, as they're calling him. Mm-hmm. He was a black ace on the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks uh, Stanley Cup team. Uh, he was accusing that John Aldrich uh, sexually assaulted him. Yeah, Is that Brad, correct? I think Brad, Brad Aldrich. Sorry. Yeah. Um, sexually assaulted him. Uh, the the findings, the report is out there. I believe a lot of the insiders have tweeted out the link to it. I encourage you to take a look, a, a peruse through it. It's it's disgusting. Yeah. I watched the I watched the press conference. It's absolutely disgusting. Uh, like Stan Bowman stepped down as a result because of the findings in it. I fully expect Shevel Dayoff to be to have to step down as well. And I don't see Coach Q continuing after his actions in that. So the Panthers released a statement basically saying he's going to meet with Gary Bettman tomorrow, and then they had no comment on the situation. So I honestly, the Panthers owners, I would say, is the type that would be more tolerable to keep a guy like Quenvo when their team's doing well finally. But I think the public pressure will be overwhelming. Like Mm -hmm. the stuff that came out about Quenvo is essentially he found out that this guy, video coach did this disgusting act and then was still fine with giving him a reference for another job right after, like knowing what happened. And then he also claimed that he had no idea of anything that happened in yep. in this case, and it was found to be that was a complete lie. He was part of a meeting. He was told what happened. He said, I'm going to wait to address this after the Stanley Cup playoffs because they were in the finals. Yeah, And it seemed like the entire management just said, oh, uh, we'll we'll deal with this after the Stanley Cup finals. But it's like... And and then they allowed, was it Brad Aldrich yeah. to remain with the team and continue working with the team to host a Stanley Cup party to be at parties with this John Doe player, and then on top of this, in that time, he sexually assaulted an intern, I believe. He did, yes. Like terrible, hmm. terrible. So horrible. And the worst part is Stan Bowman on Twitter. His statement was embarrassing. To be honest, it was. Oh, I left it up to the president, and he obviously didn't do a good enough job dealing with it. Like, dude, take a little bit of accountability. Yeah. That was bad. Overall, terrible situation for Chicago. Embarrassing by the team, and that's it. Yep. Yep. That's uh, nailed it right there. Not to do the awkward transition. I just want to say one thing before we go. For Dave, if you're listening, I said Batherson is the best player on Ottawa. I want to track that as the season goes on. I fully believe Drake Batherson is better than Brady to Chuck. Interesting. Um. I had one other thing. Um, Seth Jones, his numbers with Wierenski. Uh, this was over 
the 2019-2020 and then the 2020-21 season. His with and withouts, I thought, were just absolutely astonishing. So Jones expected goals. Uh, sorry, where are we? Expected goals for percentage with Zach Wierenski is 48.81, right? Over the two seasons, good sample size there. Jones expected goals for without Zach Wierenski drops to 41.78. Zach Wierenski's expected goals for without Seth Jones, 60.41. Oh, my God. And this is over a sample size of 252 minutes away and 1,357.4 with. Wow. Thought that was pretty staggering because when in with and withouts, you can get lost in, oh, it's a sample size of 90 minutes. That's not enough to make a judgment. I think 252 minutes away from Seth Jones tells a good picture. It's like 15 games, pretty much, 20 games. So It's a nice gift for the new Chicago GM, that Seth Jones contract. Oh, yeah, and the coaching decision. (laughs) Because once the fans start calling for the coach's head. It usually doesn't go back. No, no. So hopefully, fingers crossed, say your prayers, that the Leafs can actually just perform as they should i would love it next like some positive vibes for this Mm -hmm. week because what else can you do complain everyone's complaining let's have positive vibes i'm gonna say they're gonna get five points in the next three games i love it got it i love it all right thank you everyone for listening please leave us a review if you can and we'll see you next week goalies go forever